The name of the show is Old Wise Ones. And what we do is we provide advice from older people to everybody else about family and money. Wisdom on money, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Welcome to the Old Wise Ones. So what we're going to talk about today is starting your own business. Anybody started their own business before? Anybody around the table? I tried once. Did you? Yeah. I tried to start a bar called the Elbow Joint. Seriously? <laughs> yeah, in London. That's yeah. a great idea. Yeah, I'd, I'd been working down in London as, you know, sort of half of this comedy team. One of the things at the time was that the licensing laws in England were insane in terms of if you wanted a drink. You could drink from 11 o'clock in the morning until 1, and then the pubs would not open again until like 6 o'clock at night or 5 o'clock at night, and they would run to 11 o'clock at night, and then everything would shut. That's it. That was it. You could drink two times a day. Yeah, and unless you started your own private club, at which point you could become licensed and you could drink 24 hours a day if you were a club. Mm. So I started to look into this. And How old were you at the time? Uh, 23, maybe two, 22, 23. And I found a place that I could rent and I worked out, you know, that was like the foot. How much is that going to cost me a month, you know? And then what do I have to put in? And of course... At that point, you really didn't, if you could just sort of furnish it, that was enough, really. But then I discovered you also, if you wanted one of those licenses, you had to provide food of some sort. Ah. Which meant then, wait a minute, so then what is it that you have to provide? It has to be the equivalent of so many calories. So it was like you had to be able to give people sandwiches of some form. You know, or sell them. Right. And I think, well, you know, maybe I could do that. And I think, you know, gradually it started to add up to, I went, I'll never get this done because I'll, I'll never be able to organize all these things. And at the same time, write comedy and do comedy at night. You know what I mean? So when you were studying the business and you were deciding the business model, mm -hmm. it just became a little too complex for your life at the time. Yes. You know, I had two or three guys who were prepared to sort of come in Ah. And, you know, and there was enough money there between these people that mm -hmm. we could, in fact, have got it going. But nobody actually wanted to run it day to day. There's so, the rub. Yes. There's the rub. So the, what you had was people who thought, boy, this is a good idea. And, you know, it was not difficult to work out, we can, we can make this pay. Even if all we do is sell beer and wine, so the numbers know. worked out even yeah. with the, even with the light, light yeah light out with a yeah. So my friend's daughter dropped out of college, and she's not particularly educated or motivated. She's very cute, and she and her mom go to thrift stores and they buy a pair of pants for. 50 cents or two bucks or whatever. Then they put some studs on it or make it cool. And she she made $100,000 last year. Wow. On So an online business. Yes. Yeah, and eBay and uh, Etsy and things like that. Yeah, right. and she's killing it now, you know, and having fun. It's a wonderful time to be an entrepreneur. It is. There's so many. I think the first thing is you have to be imaginative. You have to maintain your business day to day. But even she, I don't think she even knows how much money she's making, but she's really successful. I know two or three young people who are doing similar things. There's a couple I met in Nashville 
who did exactly that, but mainly with furniture. They would wander around because the guy was handy and she knew all about paints and things and varnishes and stuff. So they'd, they'd find broken down bits of furniture and they'd literally bring them back and they would just get to work on them. And really with, you know, a day and a half, two days of work on something, it turns into something that really looks good. Sometimes they would repaint them altogether. Sometimes they would add add things to them. But that whole business of being able to resell stuff, is that's a huge business, and you can do it with little or no capital. Well, that's what's interesting about the United States. We have a a wonderful capitalistic society here. And as much as there's left and right and arguments between the two, there is no better place to start and try to run a new opportunity because it's designed that way from the very beginning. You try something, you do it, and nobody's in your way, and you can do it. You have the freedom to do what you want to do. When was the first time you ever made money, uh, Jorjito? How old were you? I was 15, a budding musician. I got a job, $1.65 an hour. I remember that buck sixty-five minimum wage. Yeah. I remember those years. Anyway, I worked at, <laughs> I worked in a music store. No, but the point is, when I think about starting a business, I think about insurance and all the structure and licensing and all that. This girl just did something she enjoyed doing, and she's killing it, you know, without having to worry about all that stuff. So there's a couple of different ways to approach it. You know, if you go to business school and you learn all the steps, how to make a business, or you just start doing something that you love to do, and it turns into something amazing. Go out and make some money. I I was raised with a, a father that came out of the Depression, and the Depression era, you know, age group, they lost all their jobs. They had no work. And the, <clears throat> the work ethic back then is second to none because you, you had to survive. And that work ethic has been instilled in me. My first actual entrepreneurial job was when I was 10. And I was taught how to c- catch gophers by a Mexican gardener that my dad set me up with one summer. And he taught me the foolproof way of killing a gopher. 100% success rate. 12 gauge. Within 20, no, <laughs> within 24 hours. I'll tell you exactly how it's done. The metal gopher trap that you see in the grocery store or the hardware store. Most people just put it in there and hope for the best. I was taught that gophers have a keen sense of smell. They will smell human hands on that metal. They will smell the metal. They won't come anywhere near it. They love roses. They love certain plants better than others. You take rose petals and move it all over the steel trap, put it all over your hands so they don't smell any human, set the trap. The other trick here is it has to be a fresh mount. Meaning that morning, brand new mound on your lawn. That means the gopher is just now working there. Move the dirt, find the hole, put the trap down in the hole with a stake and a wire so it doesn't kill them and they don't steal your trap. Third key thing, putting some rose petals or some something they want to smell behind it. And the fourth trick is can't be any light. When they push their dirt up, they don't allow any light. So if you leave any of the hole open in their light, the gopher will not come back out of that hole. They'll leave. So if you just do that, the next morning you come back, there's a dead gopher on the end of that. And I would walk up to the front door, knock on the door, and say, here's your gopher. And I'd already made a deal with them for 25 cents for every dead gopher. Wasn't smart enough to say, it's $5 for me to dispose of the gopher. Mm. I wasn't that smart. But that was my first Mm. way of making some money on the side. Hi, I'm Jimbo Merrill. It's time now for Old Wise Ones Weekly Market Commentary. The holidays are coming, and this is our take on some key consumer headwinds we see for the markets. Number one, saving rates have declined. One unique factor coming out of the pandemic was that households were flush with cash from the various government stimulus programs. 
However, much of this excess cash has been depleted as consumers have spent on both goods and services for the past two years. Household savings rates have declined to post-pandemic lows, an indication that many consumers are spending much more than usual instead of saving. Households in lower income brackets are especially hard hit, with inflation driving prices higher. While we have not yet seen consumers pull back meaningfully on their spending, but the overall consumer consumption may very well moderate. Number two, credit card balances have increased and payment delinquencies are ticking up too. We also see increased headline risks around political and geopolitical issues from two active wars and the deadline around a looming government shutdown is set for November 17th. These events could very well affect consumer sentiment and the markets. Number three, bank lending standards remain very tight. We finally know that consumers continue to face higher rates and tight bank lending standards as well. With the prime lending rate raising to 8.5%, the Fed's quarterly survey on loans showed that the banks are still making it really tough for consumers and businesses to borrow. The standards for obtaining loans and consumers as well as small and mid-sized companies has gotten tougher as banks continue to keep their loan requirements elevated. The market out for, outlook for this week will be dependent on key inflation data coming in midweek and key earning reports this week from retailers like Home Depot, Walmart, Target will also drive changes to the stock market. Investors may want to see some pullback in consumer spending, but just not too much. Setting aside the near-term technical and bullish holiday seasonality trends lends me to think that the path of least resistance for the market is higher. So our outlook for this week is moderately bullish. Make sure you talk with your stockbroker and or tax advisor before making moves in the markets. Well, anyways, thanks for joining us today on our first ever episode of Old Wise Ones. You can find us on Apple Music, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast platforms. Oh, my God.